It's hard to think of a more iconic set of musical themes than those so thrillingly imagined by John Williams for Star Wars A New Hope. 40 years on and that score still gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Soundtracking, the podcast about the sounds of the screen. Much then to discuss with Ryan Johnson, the man who has written and directed the latest instalment of the Space Opera. Now, up until this point, Ryan has employed the services of his cousin Nathan to score his movies. And as we'll hear, he's done a fine job from the DIY noir of Brick to the rich orchestration in the Brothers Bloom and layered synths of Looper. But when it came to Star Wars The Last Jedi, it could only be John, who delivered a suite retaining all the classic themes that we so associate with the saga whilst having very much its own identity. Ryan, welcome to Soundtracking. Congratulations, first of all, on Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, thank you very much. Um, before we dive into your experience on this film, can you remember the first time you heard that iconic music and the impact that, that had on you? Honestly, I don't have like a, oh my God, this is the music moment. It's just always been there for yeah. me. It's kind of, yeah, it's funny. Thinking about it now, I can't remember before I knew that opening music. Because it's so part of it. It's such a huge part of it. It's impossible of... to separate, yeah, yeah, from the emotional impact. And John's music in general, every movie John's done, but Star Wars in particular, you can't pull it apart from the emotional experience of the movies. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of, of coming on for this film and this wonderful script, that you've written and this mind-blowing film that you've made Mm. and the music of John Williams. What was that relationship and how did it work? Because obviously those themes are there. Yeah. But, well, but there's but a lot of new things that come in as well. Absolutely. Well, and also the way that he sculpts the existing themes and plays with them. So good.
first of all, it was extraordinary just meeting John. I went over to his house, and I'll tell this is, yeah, I'll just, this Please. is not process, but just pure nerdery. <laughs> he, you know, he works the way he's worked forever. He basically sits at the piano and composes in pencil, just on paper. He just sits at the piano himself alone, just composes and like does the orchestrations just kind of by hand. And he showed me like the hands drawn score pages that he was writing for it. And as I was saying, I looked and I thought on his shelves, they're filled with what look like leather bound encyclopedias. And you go and you look closer and on one spine, it says Raiders of the Lost Ark, another Close Encounters, another Munich, it's all his scores. And I pulled out the Raiders one and opened it up, and it looked exactly like the pages he had just shown me for The Last Jedi. It was the same paper, just handwritten, except up at the top, the cue said, The Jungle. And I was like, oh my god. So makes he, me want to cry here. It's, um, it's so incredible. incredible. So he scores it um, and, uh, you know, arranges it. He has um, a very talented guy, Romero, who he works with, who, um, yeah, I don't know what his, Romero's actual title is. I guess it's his editor, basically, yeah. who works with him. But then the process in terms of the actual scoring of the film is very different than I am used to. Yeah. And it's something I can only imagine working on a Star Wars movie with John Williams doing it. Basically, my composer I've always worked with, Nathan Johnson, is my cousin. Yeah, my cousin. Yeah, he's a cousin, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we're as close as brothers. But, um, you know, we have a very collaborative relationship, and I will get in there, the studio with him, and just on a granular level, we'll work on the score beat by beat. Uh, With John, when we were editing, we had a very talented music editor, Joe Bond, who cut a temp score out of John's previous scores. And we basically tempted using John Williams' music. And then basically we gave that temp score to John, and that was our spotting session. Okay. You know, a spotting session is usually when you sit down with a composer and talk through what you want. I didn't do that with John. <laughs> I just gave him our temp score and said, this is generally the shape. And then John took that, and sometimes he went with it, sometimes he deviated from it. But he just did his thing, and the first time I heard any of the music John had written was when we were on the scoring stage and a hundred-piece orchestra was playing it. John doesn't temp anything up. He doesn't like do any temp arrangements with, uh, you know, uh, uh, with synthesizers yeah. or anything. It's just you hear it when they're recording it, and it's brilliant. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's the score. <laughs>
I imagine that it's a bit of a process of that being a Star Wars fan and being in this world of of along the way there are steps where you things take your breath away. Oh my god! You know, whether are you it's kidding? you yeah. know seeing the Millennium Falcon for the first time yeah, or yeah, yeah. John Williams' 100 piece orchestra playing and recording the score for your film. Absolutely! Oh my god! Well, and, and the John <laughs> thing was, I mean, when we were actually at the scoring session, especially the day we recorded the fanfare. I mean, of all the experiences for the past few years, that might be the highlight, actually. Like, there's nothing emotionally that could prepare you for, A, just being that close to an orchestra, a hundred-piece orchestra. I had yeah. never, I had heard concerts, but when you're actually standing 10 feet away from a hundred-piece orchestra, and they play anything, it gets in your bones, it shakes your bones. There's something about the physical feeling of that sound hitting you that's powerful anyway. Yeah. And then you add on that it's that Star Wars fanfare that we've all got those emotional ties to. And then you add on John Williams 20 feet away from you standing up conducting it. Yeah, I can't even describe it. Because I think I said to you last night on the red carpet, I was born three years before the Star Wars film came out, yeah. and and that opening fanfare—it's still—it's undescribable the emotion you feel when you, yeah. you get that and that crawl starts. It's it's extraordinary. It's, it's, there's nothing else like it in I film, know. I don't think. Yeah, it's really magical. It was interesting to me also just talking about the opening fanfare. You know, first of all, that they do re-record it for each movie. They yeah. recorded anew. And he does slightly tweak it each time. I was told by, by John, he slightly tweaks it each time. The more interesting thing, actually, was when we were mixing. Because um, and it all depends on what sound system you listen to it on. Yeah. But each of the film has a different sound in terms of the opening fanfare. We listen to several of them back-to-back -back in the scoring stage, and they're very distinct. It's like listening to remixes of a song that you like. Yeah. You think they're identical. They're all very different. And The Force Awakens has had kind of like a brighter, more attacky kind of sound. for a warmer kind of, you know, uh, tried to like thicken it up just yeah. a little bit, but mm -hmm. still get that opening attack. But it, each one of them, it's a, it was interesting for me. It's something I never thought of, but it makes sense. Just there's a infinite variety of ways to, to kind of mix your opening fanfare. <laughs>
this incredible relationship you have with Nathan, though, in terms of yeah. the films that you've worked on previously, did you have to have an uncomfortable conversation with him going, you, listen? Uh, <laughs> he understood. And also, John was very sweet. There were only two things I asked John to sign at the end of it, and one of them was... I had told John this story that when Nathan and I were growing up, you know, we've been making movies since we were like 10 years old together. Yeah. And when we were kids making movies, the only soundtrack CD we had was Hook. And so all of our shorts when we were kids were scored with a Hook soundtrack. I still know it maybe better than any John Williams score. And so I told John that story. And then I tracked down an LP of the Hook soundtrack and I asked John to sign it for Nathan at the end as a, as a, yeah, he was very sweet and he did. So I gave it to Nathan as a, as an apology for <laughs> being, not being able to work with him for the past few years. talk about that relationship though because it'd yeah, be great yeah, just yeah. to mention sure. Looper and other films that yeah, you guys yeah, have worked yeah. on and, yeah. and the soundscapes and how you guys work together because you, you mentioned that it's an incredibly collaborative yeah. um, kind of process so yeah. it'd be great to, to talk through some of those films if that's sure, all right yeah, and when yeah. does he is he there at the start? Is he there at the, the seed at the formation of those? He's usually there for some part of production. He usually, I mean, he's one of the first people to read any script that I write, and he's usually there during production, and we're having conversations and throwing back and forth references, and he's many times recording, you know, temp stuff and ideas very early, even before production. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it starts early and then it goes really deep in terms of us getting in the weeds and um, really working each individual piece. And each each score requires obviously a very different thing. For yeah. Brick, which was the first movie we did together, it's kind of a junkyard score and he used very few traditional instruments on yeah. it. It's, it's, it's largely kind of created instruments and kitchen appliances, yeah. and, you know, uh, which create kind of an unsettling sort of... Um, you know, Morricone was the reference I gave Nathan yeah. and he kind of ran with it. Brothers Bloom was much more romantic. Nina Rota was the reference I gave him for that, and it's kind of a lusher, more melodic score.
And then Looper, the idea with Looper was the simplicity of having kind of one theme that we then bent and reorchestrated and layered to create a whole soundtrack out of, but the notion of just one recurring thing that just keeps happening over and over, yeah. but with all these variants of perspective on it. Each one kind of requires a different thing, and we—that's the other thing. Nathan is a real storyteller, and I love the initial concept. I love having a—it's a, fun with Nathan to come up with what the concept behind the the music is going to be. Yeah, and it's um, a character, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's a character. And it's, it's got you know, it's also just whether it comes through or not. It's fun for us to come up with. Okay, this is the thematic reason why we're constructing the score in this in this way. It's just something we enjoy doing. soundtracks really quirky I have this sort of romantic notion of him you know when you say of him using kitchen utensils of him just not having a break and just working in his head the whole time around and so. being kind of in the kitchen and going oh a toaster, <laughs> you can never this. escape you go to the kitchen and make a snack and you're like oh god I'm still working this is yeah yeah oh boy <laughs> Thank you. 
talk about giving you know him kind of reference points and stuff and I was really interested to read about the reference points that you encourage the cast to watch for for this film for Jedi and some really wonderful films and I wonder if yeah. you can talk a little bit about them and what it was specifically about those that you drew the inspiration from yeah it was when I was first coming up with the story and there were just a list of movies I was working in San Francisco so I could be close to the whole Lucasfilm team and I was going in a few times a week and just talking through what I was doing with them and we decided to start having movie nights and so um we watched yeah it was so much fun we watched 12 o'clock high a great gregory peck movie about bomber pilots and also the pressures of war starting to stress and crack relationships within yeah Yeah, and and so that was an influence on the movie Satisfying I've ever played. Savage is an exceptional personality who dares to be all things to 12 men. A man who crosses wings with destiny. But stop worrying about it and about yourselves. Stop making plans. Forget about going home. Consider yourselves already dead. Once you accept that idea, it won't be so rough. But then we watched, you know, just adventure films. We watched Gunga Din. We watched uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. We watched. Oh, so good. But then we went a little farther afield. We watched Letter Never Sent, which is a great Russian film that is just beautiful landscapes and gorgeous kind of tactile feeling to the actors being in these amazing landscapes. And uh, we watched Three Outlaw Samurai, which is kind of a funky. It's not. I figured we had all watched a bunch of Kurosawa. I love Kurosawa, but this was kind of a funkier 60s yeah, um, yeah, yeah. samurai film. I see the influence on that in Snoke's, that scene where he... Oh, with the Kurosawa, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, absolutely, and the, the kind of the striking graphic nature of, of, of Japanese design in general. And those absolutely. crazy sword lightsaber things that's yeah. and stuff that they have. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. We had fun with the, <laughs> the red on red. I really liked that. Yeah, there was actually, I mentioned it a few times, but there was... You know, I, I knew I wanted that to be read. The specific way we attacked that, I ended up remembering Anthony Mangella had directed a beautiful production of Madame Butterfly, where he did a very similar kind of like pure red background with a reflective floor that the actors were in front of. And I remember we were trying to crack how to do the throne room and get the red that I wanted, and it just kept looking like curtains. And then finally I was like, oh, wait a minute. And we looked up some stills from that opera, and I was like, oh, we could kind of follow this, so... There's a little Mangella in there. You mentioned Hook earlier being a soundtrack that was an important part of your your childhood and growing up. Are there other other moments where you really resonated with the music in a film or that you really 
appreciated the power and how important the music was as part of the filmmaking process. Yeah, uh, Amarcord is a uh, it's my grandfather's favorite movie, and he introduced me to it. And the score for that, you know, wrote a score for Amarcord is um, yeah, that's that's a, a deeply intense. It's another one of those things where it's impossible to disconnect to pull apart the emotional impact of the film from yeah. what the music is doing to you. Eight and a half. Also, a lot of the work he did with Fellini. I mentioned Morricone. That's I know it's not unique, but it's, it's something that was a um, 
kind of the musical equivalent of Ben Burtt's sound design in the original Star Wars movies. For me, it was one of the first times when I, my ears perked up and I was yeah. like, oh my god, this is weird and engaging. And like the gears are coming together in a really interesting way here. Obviously, I mean, I'm into John Williams is the big obvious one. Yeah, <laughs> You've seen them all anyway. You've yeah, I know. You've seen all those yeah, in yeah. leather bounds. That's an amazing oh, memory to have It's incredible, I know. I know. Absolutely amazing. Do you listen to music on set or do you listen to music whilst you're writing? Do you have When I'm writing, music? absolutely, yeah. Yeah, not so much on set. No. But yeah, I mean, sometimes during between takes, I'll put on my dad music. <laughs> drive, <laughs> drive John Boyega crazy. But, <laughs> but I don't put like mood music on or anything mm. like that. I, I think that's cool, but yeah. I, I just have never done. But yeah, during writing. And is, and is it a conscious choice as to what you're listening to when you're writing that might inspire, or is it just... Sort of, but I wasn't... Yeah, I didn't listen to a lot of Star Wars music when I was mm-hmm. writing. I was actually... Yeah, it just depends what I'm into. I was listening, weirdly, to LCD Sound System song, All of My Friends. I yeah. just listened to that on a loop, and there was something about... Especially as I was getting into the last act of the movie and all of these storylines kind of converging and the notion of all these storylines kind of coming to a point where everyone was going to meet back up, that song just kept going and going in my head. And also the fun of it and the feeling of, I often find writing, it's, it, it helps to listen to music that is kind of counterpoint to the expected tone just because it keeps you nimble i think yeah and yeah. the build on that song as well exactly kind of the like... slow steady build of it and just the yeah, yeah absolutely
I wanted just to say as well to mention Carrie Fisher because I just think it's a beautiful testament to her presence and her power and her brilliance in this film as well. It feels like a beautiful tribute to her. She was one of a kind, man. Yeah. Yeah. Did I hear right that she helped you with little bits of the script and stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, once I once I had the script, and then we sat down and would, for hours, go over it. I mean, mostly she would throw out jokes, one-liners. There's a couple of her jokes in the movie. <laughs> and uh, she loved words. She loved wordplay. She loved puns. <laughs> so she basically, a writing session with Carrie, I would just scribble down as she spewed out a thousand <laughs> jokes. <laughs> and then at the end of it, I'd say, okay, maybe we can use this line. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah. Man, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Huge it's congratulations. It's the best Christmas present for us all, really. Thank you very much. was The Last Jedi, that's the finale, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with director Ryan Johnson. My huge thanks to Ryan for taking the time to talk to us. The Last Jedi is on general release around the world now and is a genuinely excellent addition to the franchise. John's score, meanwhile, is available via Lucasfilms. You can enjoy a Spotify playlist for this show via edithbowman.com, which is also the place to subscribe to the podcast and catch up with all of our previous episodes, including my chat with Rogue One director, fabulous Gareth Edwards. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do share on your socials if you like what you hear. Next up is the fabulous young British actor, Will Poulter, who also ties in with a big announcement for us right here on Soundtracking. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs> <laughs>